The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one man. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Planestalkers Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. Matt, how you doing today? Uh, I'm a little chilly, to be honest. Uh, we've had kind of a colder spring this year, and I'm yep. in my, we're in my basement, and I, like... It's not hot en- it's not cold enough to justify the heat and it's definitely not even close to having the AC on yet. So I think we're both a little chilly. Yeah, I have a blanket on. Yeah. Do we need to take the first chunk of money from the Patreon and uh get you some heat? No, I just it's like one degree off from where I want it. It's it's obviously gonna be naturally colder in my basement anyways. But like I'm good. <laughs> it's just a little chilly. And it doesn't help I've been down here for all day. Playing satisfactory again. <laughs> Most days we're down here recording. I usually have my cheat, my uh, teeth chattering by the time I leave. Yeah, you just edit that out and post. It's so, cl- it's so cold. <laughs> but that uh, being colder down here in the basement will pay off uh, in about a month. Yep. I mean, heck, it might even take not, might ain't, might not even take that long. I think like next week we're looking at mid eighties. Yeah. So we're gonna I'll be grateful turn, to be in a basement. I'll just turn my AC on, and you'll uh, never know. Oh, I'll turn my AC on too, but. So my wife runs a little bit colder, so once the AC comes on, we always put it to, like, we basically make her comfortable upstairs, mm-hmm. and then it's just a little bit cooler in my basement. So Yeah, but yeah, like I said, I've been playing Satisfactory. I got a server going. Uh buddy of mine started playing over the weekend, so what we are the new up- Fresh World. There was a bunch of updates I saw. Is there anything new that's, like, relevant? <clears throat> they They haven't done a big, like, content update yet. Like they've been tweaking stuff and whatnot, and then there was a developer post over the sometime like last week. I didn't check the exact date, but it was relatively recent. Um, where they're talking about going forward for future updates, mm-hmm. and they're kind of try to change. They're changing their philosophy as far as updating the game goes going forward, and what they're trying to do is really push for getting the game ready for release. So anybody who doesn't know, uh, Satisfactory is in early access still. It's <laughs> beyond a full game at this point i mean it's there's plenty to do i've got almost 200 hours in it at this point Mm -hmm. it's kind of like valheim in that regard where the base game just gives you enough to do that any additional content it's almost like free stuff yeah um but what they're their next big push they're working towards is um working on like exploration and combat and whatnot which is something you and i had talked about when we were playing it is the contact combat and the enemies are just bad and boring they 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 detract from the game right <clears throat> like you need some of the items you get from enemies very briefly but for the most part the combat is nothing special i mean you're talking like just punching enemies that mm-hmm. shoot and like running towards them eventually you get a gun and the gun is better than punching them but it still sucks mm. <laughs> like the enemies aren't interesting they're not tuned very well either like those uh there's these enemies that shoot fireballs and then the next tier up of them shoot like a lot of fireballs fireballs that can like if if they sneak up on you they can just one shot you and one of the things i noticed when when i was playing was like the way they the enemies are set up is any anything worthwhile on the map 
has a dedicated enemy or two around it. They have a boss fight. Yeah. But a lot of times that thing won't spawn until you get to a certain distance. Like you'll go, like if you kind of like creep it out, you won't see them around there. Mm. And then you go up to the item and then it spawns or it shows up or whatever. And like I had actually tested that a couple times. And so like with that being the case, those enemies that if they just hit you in the back can kill you are kind of a pain. Yeah. So they just show up. And obviously we aren't the only ones that feel this way if that's literally what yeah. the next content patch is well, supposed to be. Well, it's like we talked about, this is a great like base building game, a great resource management game. It's not a fighting game. Yeah. I don't like when games like step outside their role. Like you're not, it's uh, the comparison I always draw is like the reason almost everyone hates any game with a single water level is because water movement's hard. It's hard to balance a game to like move through water in a 3D space efficiently. And if your game isn't based around moving through water, doing one level probably sucks because they didn't spend the amount of time making a game to make the water level good. Yep. And that's like this. Like if you want to have combat in your game, you have to spend the amount of time it takes to make a game to make combat good. Yep. Yeah. And like I, we only recently started playing satisfactory within like the grand, the grand scheme of things. Um, if I was coming at it from like a, very early access release i'm looking at this going like why are enemies even in this game yeah i've thought about i would like, like a uh, a peaceful mode like minecraft has peaceful mode yeah. which i often play in because i just don't care about mobs i don't need the like i don't play hardcore mode i don't need the like uh, surviving the i just want creepers to not walk into my base right and and just like in this game all the enemies do is provide you with an annoyance for the first few hours you play and then, like in Minecraft, as soon as you get even iron armor and an iron sword, you can dominate almost every enemy in the mm-hmm. game. Then by the time you make the next leap to, like, diamond gear, you have everything in the overworld. Yeah. Then by the time you have enchanted stuff, you have everything in the nether. And, like, I could see at the, that point, they're just annoying. I can see the middle ground being, like, you'd get mobs in caves or underground. But mobs above ground are stupid. Yeah. I, just, like, I play without them because I just want to build. Yeah. So... Anywho, uh, yeah, just yeah. When Jake came in, I was working on my uh, power plant, and we I realized I messed it up, so I'm gonna have to tear the whole thing down because it's just a block have, too low. You don't have to tear the whole thing down. You are literally gonna move your entire base up like four feet because you'll have like three pipes that won't be like the right. They're angle. gonna look hideous. <laughs> and I am not doing that. <laughs> yeah. so you have to tear out all of I it. I have to tear it all out. Yeah, so pretty funny. Uh, just a bit of a nuisance, but not the end of the world. And uh, yeah, and that was my day off. Nice. How about you? So I did do something over the weekend. I I beat Elden Ring. Hey! I finally beat the Elden Beast. Uh, spoilers alert, I guess. But I've um, it was pretty funny. I thought so. I have fought the Elden Beast a couple dozen times, and I've never really come close. And the other night, I was kind of hankering to play some dark or some Elden Rings. I have played like most of the game. I did learn now there's one boss I didn't find. But to the best of my knowledge, I have found pretty much every boss, pretty much every area. Uh, you know, I'm sure if you I'm sure if they had a percentage meter, I'm probably at like 70% or 80% because I didn't find every little nook and cranny. Yeah. I didn't do all the quests. But I'm kind of done exploring the world. I've, I other than just like wandering every cliff face, I'm done exploring. So I was like, well, I kind of want to reset the world. Because I like just playing through it again and going and hit the bosses again. And you can't do that until you beat the game. So I was like, well, I need to hop on and do some grinding. So I go into, I have a computer room. And I turn my computer on. And uh, the Ethernet cord that runs through the wall 
through a hole in the wall. It's not like in the drywall. Yeah. Uh, had come unplugged from the router. So I, I, I get Elden Ring going. I get stuff going. I, uh, my wife plugs it back in for me. And then I, uh, I start playing. I get in offline mode, but I don't care because I'm literally just going to go fight the Elden Beast for a little while and kind of get some reps in. So I, I'll do the punchline at the end. Um, so I fight him, I fight him, I change weapons a couple times, I, ju- I try this, I try that, and I beat him. And it was pretty funny, because I had, like, the only correct way to beat a Dark Souls boss, I had no more healing, I had no more magic, and I was I was any hit away from yeah. death. I took a picture and showed, like, you and Derek, I have one picture, I have one hit. Mm-hmm. Or I should say what hit. I have less than one hit. Nothing he can do will not kill me. Yeah. And so just like I had that real butt clench moment of like I need to hit him like three more times and he's swinging his giant sword and he's flopping all over the ground and I'm dodging and I had, you know, have to nail these like four dodges in a row, slat, finally kill him. Super excited. Um, I go ahead and uh, I beat the I I finish the game. I said a normal plain Jane ending. And when you do a plain Jane ending, you get a really cool image. Um, I guess I won't spoil it in case you haven't done it, but you get a really cool image that would make a really, really cool screensaver if you knew it was coming and it was there for more than four seconds. <laughs> so I actually got a picture on my phone um, because I knew, like, oh, this isn't going to be here very long. And I didn't remember what buttons were. Um, I can't, spring, screen print won't work. And there's a, I learned now what my screenshot buttons are. So I have a picture on my phone of this really cool scenic moment that I now have to beat the entire game again so that I can have it as a screensaver. Because uh, you obviously can't look at that again. Yeah. You can't see that until you beat the game. I spent 80 hours to get there, and I get to look at that for six seconds. Yeah. So I do that, and then, uh, well, I'm doing some stuff, kind of doing some like p- cleanup stuff and like spend some money in, um, in-game money, the runes. It freezes, or like my controller comes on, disconnected, so I have to reset it. So I reset it, and then it won't launch again. So I close it all down, like I, I hard close it, and I launch it, and Steam pops up. But ding, you've got an update due, four gigabytes. <laughs> Estimated time, four and a half hours. <laughs> so because my computer was unplugged from the internet, it didn't update. It didn't know to update before mm-hmm. I launched it. So I got to play. So literally, if my computer had been plugged in, I, I probably still would not have beaten the Elden <laughs> Boss. Yep. It was just the perfect, like, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I... I would, because I wouldn't have played. I'd be like, oh, cool, Mike, it'll be uh, done in three hours. Yeah, I'm just going to go to bed. Because it was like eight o'clock at night. Yeah. It was so perfect. And I had so much fun. I went through, after that, I've gone through and I did like a bunch of grinding. I bought a bunch of stuff because you get the option to buy basically everything at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And then when you reset, you lose all that. So I, I did a bunch of grinding to just buy like hundreds of tons of stuff. And then I reset the world and I'm going through again. Uh, I'm probably going to speed run this one a little bit more. Like I'm not going to do all the exploring. I probably won't do, I probably won't explore everything again ever. Mm-hmm. Um I won't like hunt down every inch that I'll I'll try. What I'll do is I'll start looking up like guides to get specific endings, uh to finish specific quest lines through characters and just kind of focus on that. But this first one, I'm going to run through and try and just like speed run to the end cuz I want that picture. I want that screensaver cuz it looks really good. I showed you a picture of it. It's, yeah. I think it looks really mm-hmm. good. Uh, and then I will start working on all the extra stuff. There's a couple endings I want, yada, yada. But now that I've beaten the game once, I now have to beat every boss. So I probably will at some point play every boss. But I have to beat every boss by myself with no summons, no spirit, nothing. And that's going to be a dick. 
that's going to suck a lot. Some of them aren't. Like, one of them, I already fought, like, the first boss, and like, he's fine. Yeah. He's not too bad. But there's, gonna, there's like, four or five I can think of right now that are going to be very hard to fight by myself, even maxed out. Um, and if they're not hard, I will reset the world, and I'll do a fresh build and fight them so they're hard. Mm-hmm. But we got to make through... I was like keep track in my mind like everything, every boss that I've beaten already by myself because I'm not I'm not going to do the whole world. But as I move, every time I find a, another boss I haven't beaten, even if it's on my fifth playthrough, I will beat him solo. I have to beat every boss without any help of any kind. So that's the next goal on that. But I was pretty excited. I came out and I like I gave Sarah a big clap and we give her a big hug. I was riding a pretty good high for a little while because I finally beat that stupid Elden boss. Congratulations! It was pretty good. I felt pretty good. Um. I haven't really done. I've been working a lot at the barn. We named a horse Sam, thanks to help of a listener. I decided to name her Sam. I've uh, I've actually started putting up uh, when I do work her, which will here in a week or so. I'll be working her a lot less, but I put up like pictures and small videos on Patreon for our patrons if they want to see uh, some Sam. So if you guys want to see Sam the horse and get extra content every week from us, like we usually record between 30 and 40 minutes after the episode and anything else we want to put up, head over to patreon.com to or patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. We have tons of tiers. You guys can support us in any way you like. Uh, we really appreciate it. Right now, all the money is going to be going to improving the show, ideally getting me some new editing software so I can get um, something a little nicer. Matt needs to get a microphone that he's waiting to buy until we have money from the podcast, even though I bought my own because he's uh, cheap. Which you did voluntarily. <laughs> and then uh, I'd like to get some more like sound equipment or sound like uh, sound treatment equipment for my my room at home and some more for this for uh, this location. So that's where uh, it's all going back in the podcast. And I, Matt and I are taking a paycheck. We're just trying to help improve the podcast, and we've we're getting to the limit of what we can invest in this and still just call it a hobby. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's getting hard to convince my wife that I'm a thousand dollars deep into just a thing I like to do once a week. That's fun. <laughs> She's starting to get a little upset. Hey, both of our fans love the show. They do. <laughs> Speaking of Patreon, I do want to give a shout out to Derek, who is our first patron. Uh, really appreciate you coming on board and helping out. And uh, if you guys want some more magic content check out the family gathering that's Derek's podcast and once you guys get a patreon going i promise to try and be your first patron as well and so will matt yeah thanks for supporting us everybody and yeah uh, thanks for support everyone that is a patron or just listens or comments or likes and shares and tells people about it we appreciate all of you yeah absolutely and then one more thing before we get started today, I want to give a shout out to Will and Aramis at the Plains Talkers podcast. They are our mothership show, Monday and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, twitch.tv forward slash Plainstalkers podcast. You can check on Monday their standard-oriented podcast where it's pretty much everything you need to know standard, and Wednesday where they play Commander Live. Head over to the Discord, discord.plainstalkerspodcast.com, where you can sign up for some Commander games on Wednesday. You can check out our Discord. You can check out their Discord. And just be a part of a really cool community of people that like playing Magic in pretty much every format now. Like We've got people on there that play Modern, people that play Pioneer, people that play Standard. Uh, Derek's on it, so we have people that play Legacy. We've got kind of everyone going on in a really cool group there. And they host all kinds of events, too, like uh, winning like box giveaways and tons of cool events they host. And that's all run through their Discord. Uh, all right. I think we're ready to get started. So, Matt, how is Legacy looking? We are right back to the uh, good old days of a solid 28%. <laughs> no, I did you see the, the title last week? Yeah. I said Legacy was fixed. Well... <laughs> 
you should get a better tool to fix it then because <laughs> it is rebroke. Um, same stuff. I'm not going to, I don't want to bad talk or uh, down talk legacy too much or anything. The top eight doesn't look horrible. We'll go, we'll, obviously, we'll go over that. But yeah, we're, we're right back to 28.12% of the uh, That's top so 32 is Blue Red Delver. So don't put away your Delver hate, guys. It's not going anywhere until Wizards does something about it. Um, we've got Demonic Tutors bringing it home. First place with uh, what's listed as what is listed as Ad Nauseum Tendrils. Um, yeah. Yep. I believe Pass in Flames is the... Uh, is Pass in Flames the draw engine? Or isn't... Is Pass in Flames... Does Tess use Pass in Flames? What does Tess use as the draw engine? I don't know. It's... Um, neither of us are Storm players, and I try so hard to remember which is which. Because there's very distinct differences between Ant and Tess beyond their both storm decks. I yeah. I can't remember the the fine minutia. This is labeled as ant. I we're, we'll go with that. Yeah, and the, the only reason I question that is MTG Goldfish isn't great at labeling the decks yeah. and we don't want to step on any storm player toes. Yeah. So, Someone who plays storm, they'll listen to these cards like some of these cards like Burning Wish, Pass in Flames, obviously ad nauseum. Like they'll be they'll they'll let us know how wrong we are. Yeah. So, anywho, um just looking at the list, I don't see anything I haven't seen before. Um, Reign of Filth has been popping up in We've seen that a few times times. now. Yeah. Um, which seems like decent tech to me. I mean, it's realistically, by the time you play that, it's going to be a, like a dark ritual or a cabal ritual for Mm -hmm. one. So, I mean, it's kind of all in at that point, but that's what the whole deck is. Yep. When you, yeah, the turn you go is you're all in. Anything in the side that looks interesting at all? Nothing, nothing new. No. Mel of Herman, he's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, it's cool to see him making, um... Uh, splash into these combo decks. I've heard about Malevolent Hermit being played in some controlly decks to kind of mm-hmm. help break the mirror. So Malevolent Hermit is two mana for a two one. Then you and you can pay a blue, sack it, and mana leak a non creature spell. And then for three mana, you can cast it from the graveyard as a two two flying spirit wizard. And it just says non creature spells you control can't be countered. Yeah. So it's a pretty cool like onboard mana leak. That is hard to kill because you can always sack it to whatever's trying to kill it, or it'd be exile it, I should say. Yeah, and then bring it back out of the graveyard is a great way to help force a turn through. Yep, and typically speaking, uh, like if you're playing against a control deck, they're going to side out their swords against you. Yeah, like a lot of the dedicated creature removal comes out once they know they're playing a combo deck. Yep. So he is more likely going to survive than he would in like game one. So fun card there, blue red Delver, second place. <laughs> um, Reader Rabbit, isn't that uh, Reed Duke? Yes, it's Reed Duke. So, congratulations, Reed Duke. You're awesome. Big fan. I think he knows. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> play elves instead. <laughs> you traitor. <laughs> you know what he's. You know what he's thinking. Why but he want, Well, what he's thinking is he he said the before Ragavan was banned, he wanted to be the guy who got Ragavan banned. <laughs> so I wonder if he's in the same boat now, where he's like, I want to be the guy that gets mm-hmm. Merc tied or whatever. Banned. I, I have aspirations of getting Dig Through Time banned in Pioneer. There you like, go. Nobody's playing enough Dig Through Time. I promise you're not playing enough Dig Through Time or Treasure Cruise. Yeah. Although Treasure Cruise is seeing quite a bit of play Matt, in some of the decks. How does this? Uh, how does this? Is it Delver deck look? Uh, almost identical to every other Is it Delver deck we've seen. <laughs> Uh, opting for the one mainboard pyroblast. It's an interesting choice. Oh, yeah, you know, as long wow. as you see two. Yeah, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about it, to be perfectly honest. Mystic Sanctuary on the side is kind of interesting. That's usually either in the main or yeah. not at all, but nothing else really interesting. Yeah. 
So in third place, we actually do have something cool to talk about. This is a deck we have not seen at all since we started the podcast. It's White Black Humans. Mm -hmm. So we can go over this in with a little bit of depth here. Um, Champ, I don't want to read every card, so you can look them up later, but we'll go through the more interesting ones. We've got Champion of Parish, of the Parish, Esper Sentinel. We should all probably know what that does by now. Mother of Runes, again, everybody knows Mom. Uh, Kite Sail Freebooter, which is a pseudo-discard spell on a 1-2 flyer. It, it just ETBs and it tucks one of their non-creatures under, under it. Yeah. Um, Thalia's Lieutenant. Uh, pumps the team. Pumps the team, and in particular, pumps humans. Yeah. There, there is, unlike, say, the Elementals deck, there was a little bit of an argument on Reddit, and it happens all the time, about whether Elementals is a tribal deck or not hmm. in Modern. And I personally don't consider it a tribal deck. There's one, there's Risen Reef. It uses Risen Reef. Yeah, there's only one elemental payoff. Yeah, and then it's just a bunch of cards that are already used in a bunch of non-tribal <laughs> yeah. decks. They don't like to me. A tribal deck synergizes with other creatures of the same tribe. So something like Thalia's, Thalia's Lieutenant, where when enters when it enter, enters the battlefield, you put a plus one plus one counter on each human you control. Yeah, like this doesn't go into any deck that's not a human deck. Yep. And then um, other humans ETB and give it plus one plus one yeah. counters. So it makes your it's great for going wide and tall. It's a very mm -hmm. it's a great two drop. Um we've got regular Thalia, everybody knows about. Uh Tomic, who's good anti land hate. Yep. It just uh, basically gives was it lands on the battlefield and in the graveyard have uh, they can't be they at least have hexproof. Yeah. And your your opponents can't play land cards from the graveyard. Mm -hmm. That's another it matters. It, it matters in a lands meta that is running a lot of Ramanap and Crucible of Worlds, so right. they can, and you can't, and it can't target right. Yeah, so it, it shuts Loam off. Yeah, it's it's very it's a the best thing about it, in my opinion, is a two three flyer for two. Mm -hmm. Like that's not a great rate, but then you step staple on six lines of text on top of that, and all yeah. of a sudden you're looking at a pretty solid card. Um, got Brutal Cathar, which is just a flip creature. That seems not, like that seems like a bad card to be running in Legacy. Like, I, it's such a, so Brutal Cathar ETBs and it tucks a creature underneath yeah. it. And then it's one of those things where, like, if you pay, if no one plays a spell this turn, it flips to a thing, whatever. And then if you play two spells, it'll flip back. Now, when it flips back, it'll take another card, but it keeps tucking all these creatures underneath it. So once you remove it, like, it just makes their bolt like a four for one. Sort of. I mean, their bolt's still a one for one. Because like they're trading that card for that, and they they do get their stuff back. That's what I'm saying. That's but, if you've got three creatures underneath it, which is terrifying and powerful, then they top deck a bolt. The board just switches so dramatically. It does. It's not what I mean by the the four for one. It's not a four for one in the traditional sense. They're just getting their cards back. You're yeah. not going down cards per se. Yeah. But it it can definitely feel like that, and a clever person is going to use that to their advantage. Mm -hmm. Like there's like if killing brutal Cathar just doesn't change parody in any way why would you do it like yeah. you'd want to kill something else but if killing it does and it yeah. gives you those cards back and it actually is a good advantage like obviously it's a human so you get the human synergies but the yeah. big difference between this there's two big differences between this and skyclave apparition uh this can take tokens which is very powerful yeah. that's that's obviously because then they don't get anything that's yeah. very powerful um, but Skyclave Apparition gives them back a token that is uh, power equal to CMC. Yeah. This just gives it back to back. them. Yeah. And this also doesn't hit Planeswalkers. Correct. So the human synergies obviously pull this deck much closer to Brutal yeah. Cathar. And but it's, um, I, I think Brutal Cathar is overall a worse removal spell than Apparition, uh, except if you have human synergies in mind. Correct. 
And that's, I think that's 100% true. Um, Brutal Cathar, to be fair, is a little bit better of a threat, but that realistically doesn't matter that much. Yeah, it can become a 3 3 with first strike. Yeah. Um, next up, we've got General Kudrow. Kudrow. Kujo. Yeah, that's what I thought when I saw it. Yeah. Uh, other humans get plus one, plus one, does some other stuff. So, again, an actual human lord. There's several human interactions here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Night Clubber enters the battlefield. Creatures your opponent's control get minus one, minus one. It's got Blitz. General Kujo, you got me saying Kujo. General Kujo has a really powerful ability. I think that's like the the Lord ability is probably okay, but the pay two, sack two humans, destroy a big creature. That's yeah. probably real. Like don't get me a, wrong. These I'm not trying to disagree with you. The cards are good. I just like I said I don't want to read every card. But he is it is very I, good. I think that is more important than the than the Lord. Being able to, because like this deck goes very wide, this doesn't go very tall, and so being able to knock down that one Murktide that might be holding your team back strong. Yep. Uh, then we got Ethervile, Cavernor Souls, bunch of lands. Mm-hmm. Those are two really only highlights. Sideboard, um, Swords, Cathar Commando, Kataki's War Wage, not, more Knight Clubbers, Leyline of the Void, and Mind Break Trap. So trying to, you know, shore up the Storm matchup, mm-hmm. shore up Graveyard matchup. Probably eight cast in there, and then some just generic good cards. Yep. Um, so yeah, we've got that's a cool. That's a cool deck to come in the top eight. That's pretty awesome. And it's well, we could have missed it. We don't typically look at the entire top thirty-two, but that's the first time I have seen it at all. Mm-hmm. We've seen a few so, Aethervile decks. There's could a bunch. Be, yeah, that could have been human-ish, but this is the first like Orchov human deck I think yeah. I've seen and talked about. But I could be wrong. Well, and, we we've officially been podcasting long enough that we're. I'm starting to forget some of our earlier podcasts. Yeah. Well, and, like humans has always been like a solid tier three deck. Like that was one of the big concerns when they did the secret layer with uh, the Walking Dead a couple years ago, where like humans was seeing play in Legacy, yeah. and then they printed a bunch of humans for it in a pseudo reserve list. Like that was. At the time, that's what everyone thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they'd said it was. Yeah. So now, obviously, that's changed. So it's not the end of the world or anything. But, like, that's what everyone was worried about. So Humans has been around, but that was, like, a four or five color Humans list. Mm-hmm. Ran a lot of the, the, like, Rainbow Lands and stuff like that. Um, we haven't seen anything specifically like this one that I've noticed in the top 32. So it's just cool to see it, like, come in out of nowhere and then top eight. So Here's a list we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. Sneak and Show. Fourth of course, place. It's GPA, so of course. It's one of the best Sneak and Show players on the planet. Yeah, so that helps. <laughs> it does help. <laughs> but yeah, we haven't seen Sneak and Show. Like, it pops up every now and then in the top eights, but it hasn't been, like, super prevalent lately. Yeah. And part of that is just the, domina- the dominance of Blue-Red Delver. Yep. It's just so hard for these con- these combo decks to just deal with the super aggressive nature of Delver combined with the consistent yep. disruption. Well, it's exactly what Delver wants to play against, where Delver just has to knock them down like twice, and the game is over. Yeah. They're not really, They're typically not, speaking, playing anything to interact with nope. Delver's threats. They're not accruing anything on the board. Yep. They're just trying to... Um, <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to drag their knuckles through the mud yeah. enough to cast show and tell. And Delver is just really good at just knocking down the first show and tell, the sneak and sneak attack, and swinging for lethal. Yep. Um, not that it's anything surprising, but just for the uh, days haters, this does have four days in it. I'm I'm I've been thinking I'm so close to putting days in like my mid rangey control decks, just like in the sideboard. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm so debating just starting to run days in more decks. That card is just so good right now. Yeah, just depends on what kind of game plan you want to do. Um, it probably would be a lot better 
it's one of those things that's going to be better on those hands you get like that are monastery mentor or murktide mm-hmm. reliant um but the flip side of that is like if you're intentionally playing the control matchup and i know you know this but just for our viewers if you're trying to be the control deck in there days is more than likely going to be a weakness because mm-hmm. it's just such a dead draw later yeah. in the game well so i'm thinking about uh because the delver the way delver gets around that is by playing the mystic sanctuary mm-hmm. because and i've had it happen to me i didn't, just didn't think about like days is no longer dead when it you gets can ponder re- back it yeah. gets expressive iteration back yeah let you rebuy your mystic yeah. sanctuary that's why I'm, I'm leaning on leaning towards like experimenting with days in the sideboard of my like mid-range um esper deck mm-hmm. so that if i'm playing in a matchup i think it matters Maybe I'll bring him in, or like I'm honestly thinking about. I I know it's just, it's so counterintuitive, but I want to test it. I want I need to test it. I'm thinking about bringing it in like against Delver forces out. Few days is in to try and get some like free interaction mm-hmm. that will hopefully trade with them on more parity. I don't know. I'm every, I'm sure everyone's else has tried it. Uh, I'm gonna go pay ten dollars to run a league and try it and lose yeah. ten bucks. Yeah, that's fair. Um. Fifth place, we've got Blue Red Delver. Uh, they cut the one Brazen Borrower and put in a Chain Lightning. Woohoo. <laughs> no, Next. they put in a second Pyroblast. Come on, Matt. Do you even play Legacy? <laughs> yeah, nope. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jeskai Control, is this Days Undoing, though? Uh, I don't know. I haven't checked it out yet. This is a... It's got one Days Undoing. Yeah, it's a weird like control deck with a Days Undoing in it, yeah. which is pretty cool. I like seeing that. I've seen... I, I, I definitely recognize the power of days undoing uh the days undoing combo but like it's one of those things where you still got to finish the game guys i've seen days undoing decks that like they'll draw seven cards make seven mana and then, then they'll what? get their whole breacher killed and they've got a bunch of brainstorms and ponders yeah you gotta finish the game yep well and jace is pretty good at doing that yes um so once you've controlled the board Man. you strip their hand and you just plus 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 i thought you them. said delver was 30 percent of the meta this deck has four Seven, nine, eleven, twelve, thirteen cards that cost three or four. Yeah, deck is so expensive. It sure is. It's crazy how expensive this deck is, and well, it's doing so well. There's in... a reason. There's only one of them in the top eight. Yeah, <laughs> and it didn't. You know, like that is so funny to me. Yeah, but I guess like that, like two shark typhoon is a really good way to hate on Delver because it clips those mid those mid game Delvers really well cycling it to make a shark yeah you know um dress down i dress down i'm sure has some use cases in delver it's actually no it's not good against murktide i think murktide still gets the counters i think i've i think i've heard a spying spike talk about how murktide gets counters even through a, a dress, dress down because it's a cast trigger yeah i mean you could use it i guess to like blank a drc that's not gonna do anything but the two supreme verdicts are probably huge there the four swords and the four prismatic endings i'm guessing you just answer them one for one enough that you can get to the mid to late game well and i mean if you're playing against delver that's what your force of wills are for the murktide regions yeah because you're like your prismatic endings can kill any of their other threats pretty consistently so you've got swords and i'm telling you force wills i've tried all you're gonna do is eat a force or a daze or a force into a daze well that's what you have to do it's that oh. doesn't mean it's going to work, and yeah. I mean obviously control isn't exactly dominating the meta, and blue red is. Mm-hmm. But dude, that's hate, the way you have to play it. I hate Murktide so much. <laughs> I put it in all my blue decks now. Why I have you... to. I have to. Yeah. Uh, seventh place, five color zenith. This is Yorion deck, so we got big stack of stuff here, mm-hmm. 
Um, you know what this is? Yeah, this is meat pie. This is meat pie. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say it enough until somebody registers as meat pie. The uh, They're playing the other card, in my opinion. Like, if you're playing a fair deck and it's not Delver, you should probably be playing Uro, yeah. in my opinion. Um, it's just the next best, like, the next most broken thing yep. than Merktide. So. <laughs> I'm over here playing Esper, so I'm not playing Delver. And I'm instead of playing Uro, I'm playing Baleful Strix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like Ice Fang Koala, but it doesn't have Flash. Yeah, you could play whatever you want, Jake. <laughs> and it's an artifact, so it dies to more things. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> can't abrade, or I guess you, can, you can't abrade uh, Ice Fang Koala, but sure can't melt down Ice Fang Koala. Yeah, but this deck's basically the closest thing to an EDH deck you'll get in Legacy anymore mm-hmm. now that Nick Fit is dead. I'm, I'm just yep. going to call it Nick Fit's dead. Um, but yeah, this is very similar, just... A bunch of value. You've got Green Sun to search out any number of these cards that are just great at any particular time yep. or particular matchups. Just some super powerful cards and Omnath and Uro and Ice Fang Quaddle. Prime time. Prime time. You got the cantrips. Like this deck is just trying to do everything. We've got life from the loam. So you've got wastelands in <laughs> you yeah. got wastelands in your five color deck. <laughs> yep. <laughs> because why wouldn't you? Yep. Um, along with still several basics. Um to be fair, I do really like Prismatic Vista for that in that regard. Oh yeah, like I, Prismatic Vista was one of my favorite cards from that set. Yep, where it just really helps out between Prismatic people Vista, who want to run basics. Prismatic Vista and Abundant Growth. Oftentimes, your colors are there. Yeah. So, and then sideboard. It doesn't look like anything we haven't seen before. Nope. This isn't a particularly new deck. Yeah. This deck made waves for a while. It kind of like. It was very common. I would say it took over Legacy, but it was like everywhere for like a month. Yeah. And then it's kind of faded out. It kind of popped into existence. We were like, how is this deck doing good? And then it kind of faded away. And in eighth place, I guess I can't read. Uh, it's another Jeskai control list. So this one is slightly different. Not a ton, but it's got a couple cards. This is more up your alley. We've got Snapcaster and Monastery Mentor. Yeah, th- uh, this is not a day's undoing. No. It is running Narset. Yeah, um, it's, which no, Narset's well, good. Narset's just good. Yeah. Um, and like I said, that that other one, I wouldn't even call it a day's undoing. It's got one. Yeah. And they already clearly want to be running those Narsets. Yep. Um, but yeah, we've the, got a Court of Grace. So the, monast- got- the Monastery Mentor and the Court of Grace are probably the two big pickups. Yeah. Like, to, it just, it, it's your better, a better those, top end. Yeah, well, I mean, those are your your kind of pet cards. Oh, yeah, I love, like, now, like I'm moving I'm moving into the more brewy phase of being a legacy player, and every deck I brew starts with starts with Brainstorm Ponder, Monastery Mentor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 it's, my, um, it's my favorite way to win uh, legacy. Shout out to Kyle in Canada. Like, I love just playing a Monastery Mentor and just making one token, two token, three token. Your turn. Yeah. Oh, Force of Wealth to- token. Right. Like, I loved I loved just and going crazy cantrip, wide. cantrip, cantrips, take yep. 16. Even, like, I, I was playing there a day, and, uh, like, I, we got into a top deck war, and, like, I had Mentor. I, like, Mentor and Strix, and they had something, so we couldn't really attack into each other, and we're both top decking. And it's like, well, one of these, I'm going to top deck a Ponder, and you're fucked. Yep. Because I'm going to top deck four creatures. Right. <laughs> And either uh, I'm going to hit a chain of cantrips, yeah, or I'm going to start getting like if there's if it's not a chain of cantrips, I clearly want what's on top, anyways. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> so, because you know what else I run in my uh, monastery mentor decks of hmm. one mind because that yep. card's amazing. Yep, <laughs> because when you have a monastery mentor, it's one blue draw two, it's it's one blue draw two, pump your team, make a dude. Yeah, it's pretty good, seems seems strong. So, yeah, that's our top eight. Uh, just I the, just just a I didn't say anything about this deck particularly. The yeah. two, two Teferi, um, I've been trying to play three. 
Teferi just seems strong. Although I'm actually debating moving my Teferis like into the side because while well, Teferis are one of the strongest things to do in Legacy, there's so many matchups these days with Pyroblast being so prevalent that they've gotten much worse. So like I'm really him hawing on Teferi how like I want to run like three Teferi, but it really feels like a sideboard card now because it's just Pyroblast answering it for one on the stack is so good and answering on the board for one is also so good. Yeah. And then you've got with so you've got eight removal spells between swords and prismatic and then two pyroblasts in the main what talk about like th- those belong in the side that's your inbred metagame poking through yeah. and then expressive six force of wills in the main yep what these guys need is a rest in peace or ley line in the void for the delver matchup yeah. i don't i think that's just where you have to go just shut the graveyard off Le- completely it's gotta be ley line though you don't want to run rest in peace with your snapcaster like cool. running two snapcasters is pretty sweet but like i you just swap them <laughs> Yeah, 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 like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you just take them out. But, and again, this is, we're just, you know, bullshitting a little bit. But yeah, I think Graveyard hate hits Delver more, like, they don't really care so much about trading one for one. Like, yeah, you've mm-hmm. killed their Murktide. Okay, well, I still have DRCs and Delvers to beat you, de- beat you to death with. Yeah. Like, your Pyroblasts don't hit my DRCs. Like, there's just so much going on. I don't know. Yep. When I think I you know. had to go bigger. Delver got to when Delver got to splash into a non-blue wide cheap threat because the, the the other one was was Gurmag Angler. The old threat was Gurmag, yeah. but Gurmag is the same problem as like Murktide, where your second Gurmag Angler is a lot harder to cast, and your third's almost impossible. Whereas DRC, it's so easy to go much wider with those hard to answer one mana threats that now is unpyroblastable. Yeah, the uh, thing about Gurmag is. The problem is the first one isn't game over Not relative close. to Murktide. No, the Murktide, first one eats a 1-1 one, one for four turns. Yeah, like you can block it. It's only a 5-5. Five, five, so, at, I mean, at minimum, it's a four-turn clock. Mm-hmm. Like, Murktide just does so much more than Gurmag Angler does. People are... I mean, obviously, people have always been upset about uh, Murktide, but I'm starting to hear more and more complaints about, like, maybe Murktide should go. This card's kind of ridiculous. Uh, uh, just going through a metagame summary, again, 28%, 9 of the top 32, Blue Red Delver. There's an other listed as 5 of the top 32. Um, I can't see anything in particular. Some like yeah, White-black, like humans. Yeah. Well, what I don't understand is why, if we're just talking about the website, why they categorize white-black, Yep. even though well, it's a one-of, when there's eight other one-ofs. Like five-color zenith also yeah. is a one-of. Like that's, that's your other... Yeah. Well, I know, but they've also got Murktide, Painter, Stoneblade, 8-cast, Oops, All Spell. They've got four-color control. All of that's a one-of. Yep. So, but not but humans. But not humans. <laughs> so, it's, like, it's not white-black. Yeah. It's clearly humans. Yeah. So uh, next up, we got Just Guy Control, then Ad Nauseam Tendrils, Elves bringing home two of the top 32. Uh, looks like the highest one with 20th for the uh, Elves fans out there. Me. <laughs> You had two last week. I don't care about oh, you. No, no, I'm good. Elves is <laughs> Elves is in decent spot. Yeah, it is. It, the thing is, is most times Elves is Elves is pretty well represented based on its meta percentage. Yeah. If like if Elves had half the people playing it that play Delver, you'd see two in the top eight every week. Yeah. Um, Until just, we start seeing Plague Engineer again. Yeah. All of a sudden, Esper Control is looking a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Then it's just a bunch of one ofs. Um, but yeah, like I said, Murktide or Merfolk top thirty two. They got thirty first. Um, That's pretty cool. Oh, good lord. Most played cards. Brainstorm, 72%. Ponder, 72%. Balanced, as all things in life should be. Right. 
Thanos would love this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Force will 69%. Expressive iteration has crept up to 38% right alongside days. Um, then creatures, DRC, Delver, DRC, Merktide, Snapcaster, Endurance. There's your Delvers in your control. And spells, pretty much the same thing. Brainstorm, Ponder, Force will, Expressive iteration, and days. 72%. That's a lot. I mean, even Force of Will, 69%. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that it's just okay. It's again, it's I. If you listen to the podcast, you probably in some capacity ascri- uh, prescribe to our mentality that it's not okay. That's why we talk about it. Like people seem to just think that that's the way it should be. We politely disagree, but at least the top eight looked good. Yep. <laughs> hey, at least we're getting clean top eights. Isn't that kind of like if it if only Delver could just consolidate some more in the top eight every week? Well, I'm. I'm wondering at what point as the Delver players do you like get a grand conspiracy so you like yeah. okay so there's there's 50 of us we're going to draw straws as to who gets to win this yeah <laughs> and then the rest of us are going to stay out of like, the top 8 <laughs> well like if 11th and 12th did a little better on breakers we'd have four in the top 8 yeah and that's that's all that that happens so often where it's like oh we had one in the top 8 we had two in the top 8 and then you look at this top 12 top or top 16, 16 we've got like four more or three more yeah if they did a little bit better, we could be seeing regular 50% of the top eight being Delver, and then maybe they'd make a change. Maybe they would watch Legacy closely in the coming weeks. <laughs> I don't know. That just hit me pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, you'd think. You'd think. Anywho. You want to go over to Modern? <laughs> Gladly. <laughs> yeah, it can't, can't be any worse than that. So before we talk about modern, I, we had I want to give a, a, a shout out to um, I I didn't write their name down. We're really bad about writing down names from Reddit, so I feel bad. But they they wrote a, a long thread about how every week we talk about how like the metagame has condensed down um, after Luris, and their opinion was that like the metagame. I'm gonna try and summarize their opinion, and I, it wasn't a bad opinion. And I I think they're right. Uh, I just disagree with the uh, end feeling on it. But the idea was that like with Luris going. The play patterns did get better, and the prevalence of uh, Ragavan went down, and deck diversity just got shifted to a lower tier. So it sounds like a lot of the really diverse decks just got moved down a tier or two, but they're like they're still there. And like th- I think the idea was like that is actually wider. The diversity got a little wider because they're not all built around Luris anymore. The problem is they all got relegated down, you know, a peg or two. So now we don't see them. Yeah, and so the meta in a broad sense got wider but the refined powerful meta got narrower and so that's what we talk about mostly is just this like the top the pinnacle and that's like the the person the, the this person was obviously relatively content with the way that the way that it sounds like FNM modern got better yeah and top 8 modern has gotten worse yep and so we just and focus it's just a matter of who you what exactly you care about yeah and we just focus a little bit more on and i could be wrong and i hope they hop on and let me know if i'm completely misreading this but that's kind of the vibe i got was like yeah fnm casual modern which in fairness is what the vast majority of people play has gotten better ragavan is less prevalent luris being gone has opened up a lot of deck building choices but the top tier has solidified into a much more consistent um metagame and that's where we lost a lot of our diversity and it just moved down a little bit. So it still exists. It's just you don't see it as often when you run through top eights or top 16s. Yeah. So first place, respect the cat. No. Four color blink. 
So Yorion list uh, running the Ice Fang, Omnaths, Furies. This one is not running any of your Flicker shenanigans. We've gotten rid of all of the uh, El- Eldamri's Call. Uh, Ephemerate. Ephemerates. And we've replaced them with things like Eldamri's Call with Counterspell, a single March of Otherworldly Light for some more removal. But like bumping down to only 17 creatures in your Yorion deck always feels weird to me. Because like usually when you see Yorion decks, that creature count goes up so much because you got eighty cards. Like I I I worry you're gonna have a hard time finishing this game out. You've got Ren and Six and Three Fairy, but you're gonna have to win this game with like Fury and Solitude beats and or Omnath beats. That's gonna be hard, especially when you've got to dig through eighty cards to find a couple of them. Because I mean Ragavan's good and Ragavan can totally wrap games up, but very slowly. Yeah. Ice Fang Coatl is going to stand in the way a lot, but he's not going to be like bringing home very many games, you know? We see these decks pop up. This is a, definitely an iteration of the like Yorion Elementals or Yorion four color package. And this is always, this. I feel like we see this iteration the least, and it always surprises me the most. This really tuned down on creatures list. So you have a lot more answers in terms of spells than you would normally, you know? Uh, March Mother with a Light, Prismatic Ending, Unholy Heats, Counterspells, um, and then you got Expressive Iteration and Memory Deluge for mana, or not for mana, for card advantage. Um, but like, it seems like you're a little soft to like three or four, oh, across the game, you're probably soft to like three good removal spells, but maybe that's, I mean, maybe you get the, that's what your Counterspells are for? I'm not sure. Well, the, the in the deck's defense, it will dig pretty quickly. There are, there, like, Ice Fang, Coatl, Cantrips, um, Expressive iteration cantrips twice, obviously. Yeah. Eladomri's call digs them out. Abundant growth uh, cantrips, spreading seas cantrips. So, like, realistically, you're probably going to average like 1.75 cards a turn. So, like, you're running fewer creatures in an 80 card deck, but you're going to see more cards than one a turn. Maybe. I think I think 1.75 feels a little high there, but the uh, a, a lot of things in this deck do see one more card, do get one deeper. Oh, and I forgot about Omnath. Omnath can Omnath trips. does, but Omnath's four mana. That's, yeah. But Omnath does make four mana a lot of times, so. Well, and he also, yeah, I was going to say, he does all kinds of crazy crap no, on mean, top of just. Here, let me go oh, magnify. Let me zoom in <laughs> to read this card. Yeah. But yeah, interesting take. Um, By no means new or special. Just I, It just struck me that it's always it's always interesting to see these um Yorion decks that oftentimes do dirtle, oftentimes do take a little longer to get going, and oftentimes have a little bit of a looser game plan than a more tuned-in 60 to make room for that 80. Um, but yeah, just, a, like, just a thought I had. The, with the lower creature count, I feel like I'd still want like one or two ephemerates, so when you get them, A, you can protect them, and B, you can get more value out of mm-hmm. them. Um, but obviously, I didn't yeah. win a challenge. So Something interesting in the side, Veil of Summer. That's... I maybe have we finally and this isn't legacy obviously, but modern is very much the same. We're like, have we finally peaked on like hand disruption and letting like Rakdos or or mono black be good? Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, guys, <laughs> enough thoughtsies. <laughs> yeah, let's set, so let's make some room for Veil of Summer, and it does also obviously protect you from counter spells and whatnot. Yeah, but like what you're really hoping for with that is to snag a thoughtsease and get a, get a real two for one. Yeah. Second place is a more traditional-looking Elementals list. So we're bumping up to 20 creatures, which is still a little lower on the Elementals creature list, but we are running the Risen Reef package. So obviously more setup involved, but you're going to churn through your deck wicked fast Yeah. once you get one of those bad boys online. Yep, and if you'll notice, they got the four. They have four Eladomri's calls. I think yep. the other one had two. It had two, and four Ephemerates. Yeah. So 
a, a few more creatures, a little bit more card draw and synergy, and more ways to find and protect your creatures. Yep. So uh, this is a little closer to what I expect. I I think I'm usually like we usually like 22 to 23 creatures in that slot instead of 20, and whereas the last deck was 17. But still, this is closer to what I expect. The, Titan- the Titania Protector of Argoth is always a really stupidly fun card to see in these yep. lists. I love seeing a deck that can make Titania work. Yeah, she's a great card. Uh, still eight Planeswalkers, same four, Ren and Six, Teferi. So we've removed most of the kill spells and most of the counter magic and most of the uh, card draw <laughs> out of our spell suite. We're down to 14 <laughs> yeah. spells. So the Ephemerates and the Prismatic, or the Aladomri's calls. Now we're, we have two lightning bolts, that's it. And then you've got four prismatic endings for some picking up, picking off some stuff. Like, it's such an interesting, interesting to me, such a huge shift in priority from control, removal, answer problems to creatures, synergy, drawing cards, probably in some capacity flood the board. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I've been, I take a peek at sideboards, anything uh, that I should know about. More Veil of Summer. More Veil of Summer, yep. Other than that, nothing. 13 Emrakul, which is an interesting card to see because that doesn't protect you from mill. We saw this before. Is there, Do we know why this card is so prevalent? Not so prevalent. I shouldn't say that. But we've seen this a couple times in these lists, this 13 Emrakul. So the 15 Emrakul uh, shuffles back in, so it protects you from mill to mm-hmm. an extent. Was it's It costs one less for each card type among cards in your graveyard. So Like it's gastable. Is it just a, like... Is it just so the the joke is when you get into mid range wars, the way you win a mid range war is you go bigger. Is this just the fuck you? I'm going as big as we can go, and I'm gonna spend probably eight mana for a thirteen thirteen. Take your turn. Problem is, I don't like. Does protection from instance really get you anywhere? Not any. Not as a thirteen thirteen. Like there's nothing that would. There's yeah solitude. Yeah, and that's that's what I mean. Like solitude is what would kill it, and yeah. solitude's not I an mean, instant. It used to protect it from path to exile, yeah. and nobody plays <clears> that nobody anymore. Plays that so, so, yeah, it's interesting to see. Um, interesting to see that particular Emrakul. There's probably a reason I'm missing. And the simple reason might be just you know I'm gonna just play a thirteen thirteen. But huh. I wonder if they misclicked when they were making their deck, put the wrong <laughs> me in. Could be interesting though. Third place Rakdos mid range obviously could not power through the Vela Summers. Clearly, yep. Um. Ragavan, Dothy, Season Pyromancer, Grief and Fury, a full so like twenty creatures. So twenty less card it's a sixty card deck, still twenty creatures, whereas the eighty card deck's running seventeen. And again, not enough counter spells and removal that I'd be comfortable calling it a control deck. Yeah. Because you look at these like a legit like blue white control deck, that's running like three um solitudes and twelve planeswalkers, and that's it. Then they're running Archmage's Charm, Counterspell, uh, Unholy Heat, all that stuff. Well, it would be Unholy Heat, but all kinds of removal. Feign Death. I have not seen this, I think, at all. So until end of turn, target creature gains. When it dies, bring it back with a plus one, plus yep. one counter. Interesting. It's a... It's a... Well, didn't you use that? Malekith's Rebirth is what I used. Gotcha. That was a MDFC. So it was a. Well, he's got four of those. So this is just a fifth one of those. One of that. Oh, effect. does he? Yeah. I didn't even see the lands so this yet. Is, so realistically, just looking at that, what he's going for is just griefing them out or fearing them out. Like, yep. That's what this deck is. That was. I, I, I had kind of played with the idea of building a uh, black white deck around. And it, was, it saw a lot of play. People were doing good on it. Yeah. Turn one griefing and having just as many ways as possible to 
get value out of that, either by possibly Village Rights It or flickering with Malakir Rebirth or Undying Malice. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. The uh, the one that I played wasn't Undying Malice. It was, I can't remember what it was called, but it gave the creature Undying. Mm-hmm. That was the other one I played a lot of. And that one was bad because it was so bad in multiple. So it makes sense to swap that out for something that works double. Because yeah. it happened a lot of times where I'd be playing that. I'd get my grief out. I'd give it Undying. And then, I, then I'd have like another one in hand and it's dead. Yep. Because it already has the plus one, plus one counter. So that's kind of cool. Um, this is kind of an interesting deck. Like, this is not the rocks deck we normally see. No, this is, like I said, this is very much a get him with grief or fury. Yeah. And then, like, really powerful turn one to three, and then back it up um, with a couple kill spells with Dreadbore or Culligan's Command, Lightning Bolts. Interesting. Interesting, interesting deck. Three Blood Moon in the main. Good to see Blood Moon decks coming back. I love seeing Blood Moon in the top eight. Like it doesn't matter what format. I want to see. I want to see mana be forced to be, uh, resp- like clean. Yeah. Well, it kind of sucks that uh the Blood Moon guy happened to be playing black. So in the finals, he he for sure played somebody with some uh Bale of Summer, and then just couldn't get there with the Blood Moon. Yeah. Against two four color decks. Yeah, it's kind of rough. <laughs> yep. Uh, anything else interesting? Turok in the side. Don't say anything particularly interesting though. Some hit at Sugu. I don't think I've seen Hitsugo consumes all make much of a break into modern. There's just not enough like one. Yeah. The the mana curve of modern is a little too high. I thought. I think. Yeah. I I agree there. But I mean, it's still a good card. Your your good one drop is basically Ragavan mm-hmm. and DRC. Um, yeah, and DRC. That's a good point. But, but you just don't see as much, especially like non creature permanents. Like you do see Aether Vial. Is Aether Vial? Yeah. Yeah. You do see Aether Vial sometimes, but yeah, you just don't have as many good like one mana permanents. And like. This- Problem is, this isn't even a good answer to Ether Vial. It's three mana. Like they've already got what they yeah. wanted out of their Ether Vial. Yeah, there's plenty of times you're playing Magic and like, or sorry, sorry Magic and Legacy. Sorry, you're playing Legacy, and they'll go like turn one, one drop, turn two, one drop, one drop. Whereas in Modern, it's plenty often you'll go turn one, land go, because just turn two, two drop, turn three, three drop, turn four, two drop, two drop. Yeah, and I mean this deck is a perfect example of that. There's yeah, there's a play set of Ragavans. That's it. Yeah. And so you'll never you'll never clip more than one, which obviously it's better for you. But it, it, yeah, it's it's um it's interesting to see that coming into into modern. Yeah, this guy just ran up against the exact thing he didn't want to run into. Yeah, like the the four color blink decks just don't run any one drops. Like yep. <laughs> they got Bayless. A lot of dead cards. <laughs> yeah, that poor guy. That probably had to be a frustrating two games. Can't be that. I mean, it's like that's definitely a rough way to end your day. But still, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, I'll just get fourth. Yeah. Uh, Fourth place was Yawgmoth. This looks like what I expect a Yawgmoth deck to look like. There's usually not a whole lot of play in these decks. Um, there might be like one or two like interesting flex slots. I know that Hapatra is an interesting sl- uh, flex slot. This uh, two mana two two that what is it? Whenever what does this thing say? Whenever, it makes it makes snakes, doesn't it? Yeah, she's a two two for two. Whenever she deals combat damage to a player, you can put a minus one minus one counter on target creature. And whenever you put a minus one or more minus one minus one counters on mm. a creature, you make a snake. So every time you activate Yogmoth, you're also making a snake. Yeah. So he just goes, which in- gives you something to sacrifice. Yeah. So if you have Hapatra and then you cast Yogmoth, you have you have as much draw as you have life. Yeah. Right. Yep. You and can, then you, you just you need draw. like a blood artist infinite cards if you if you wouldn't die okay oh yeah so then if you have blood arts you just win yep uh, okay yeah that's i don't see that line in here nearly as often as i'd think because that seems like a really sweet one-up to throw in your deck just to have those like <laughs> turn two blood artists turn three hapatra turn four uh 
Yagmoth, but well, and here's the interesting thing that you may not realize right away. One of the things that does is it makes a snake. By making the snake, like it can give you some creatures to put minus one minus one counters on mm-hmm. too. That's what like I'm saying. Like you can, well, like you had to sacrifice it, so you had to sacrifice a creature, but like. It's generating extra creatures. It doesn't go well. But once you had one snake, let's it, well, yeah. If you had like a like a four four, you can make four snakes. Yeah. But if you had one snake, you can just make a snake, put it on a snake, make a snake, put it on a snake, make a snake, put it on a snake. Right. No, because you're sacrificing a snake to do that. Like it just gives you a few extra. But that's why. Well, that's fundamentally one of the reasons why. Like if they don't have any creatures, you want two creatures with undying because you're putting the minus one yeah, minus one counters on. But them. it says whenever you put one or more negative one negative one counters on a creature, you make a snake. Yep. So you'd kill your own snake, draw a card, make another snake. But you have to sacrifice a creature to. Oh, does Yogmo? Isn't it pay one life sacrifice? Boy, it sure is. Yeah. I thought it was just pay a life, put a minus one minus yeah. one counter. Yep. I play magic. <laughs> well, I I don't. I actually I, I have Yogmoth EDH deck, yeah. so I'm pretty familiar with it. And it it takes some, but yeah, like it's <laughs> it's generating art. some extra creatures, and that's one of the things that Yogmoth runs into is if you don't have the undying creatures and they don't have creatures, you don't mm-hmm. have a bunch of action. Yeah, you don't have targets. But what you end up doing with the creatures is you put your minus one minus one count with the undying creatures. You put your minus one minus one counters on your undying creatures. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's because then you remove the plus one yeah. plus one counter. Yeah, I I was aware that how it the loop worked. I just yeah, she basically was an replaces. Idiot. She can replace an undying creature mm-hmm. as yeah. far as like because every time you do it, you're making a thing to sacrifice or yeah. Count. Okay, sorry guys, someone's listening, going, God damn it, Jake, shut up. <laughs> sorry. Well, you're in for four more decks. So. Yeah. <laughs> Fifth place. What can I? What can I? So living in, you know that. Uh, how can I misread living in really quick? <laughs> you know how it just reanimates everything? Yep. Right away? Uh, hey, two sky turtles. Two sky turtles again, yep. But not really much worth going into, I don't think, of living in. It's Cascade. Yep. I don't see anything interesting particularly. Three subtleties a little high. Usually you see one or two. Uh, three's a little higher, but I, it's interaction and it's... Subtle or uh, Cascade is, or should I say, Living End is definitely the deck where it's like it's the "Don't Kill Me" deck until I kill you. Card advantage isn't nearly as important, you know. If you're going to be reanimating one less four-four flyer with your whatever, like I'm, oh, I only put in twelve power, not sixteen. Yeah, that's probably not good. You know, I I can see bumping up to subtleties to just buy that turn or two. Sixth place. Now this is called Calibrated Blast. This is not a deck I have seen. So Calibrated Blast, two and a red. Reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a non-land card. Put the revealed cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. When you reveal a non-land card this way, Calibrated Blast, deals damage equal to the card's mana value to any target. Flashback for five, three red red. Yep. So you've looked at the list, but as a listener, think of the way you could break that the most and the easiest. We're going to cast this, and then we're going to flip non-lands. It's an instant, so it's a three-minute instant. And then whatever, whenever we flip a non-land, we get to dome someone for its CMC. What I would probably do is I would find the most expensive spells in Magic that I will never cast and put four of each in them. Yeah, like like Scion of Draco, twelve mana. Like Auto Autoclin Worm. What is that? 10, 11, 15. 12, 15 mana, 
15 Emrakul, and 15 Shadow of Mortality. That's an interesting deck. Oh, and it also has Throws of Chaos. Yep, which is a Cascade spell. Ah, that'll just hit it every time. That'll hit Calibrated Blast. So two Throws of Chaos that will always Cascade into Calibrated Blast. So your only only whiffs there, they're not permanents, right? They're non-land. So your only whiff is if you hit another Calibrated Blast or Throws of Chaos. But... That just gives you the card. Does it, get, does it put in your hand? Um, reveal the half card, reveal the no, it goes on the bottom. Yeah. So you would reveal it and then put it on the bottom. So you're not fielding yourself and you're tucking one away. So you have one less to see. Boy, this this feels so glass cannony. I mean, like, this is. I mean, this is right up there with like Tarbelcher yeah. as far as glass cannon goes. I mean, like, and depending it might even be more glass because depending glass on how their opening hand goes, like Draco's not going to kill a lot of things. Like 12, yeah. ma- 12 damage. So with 15, 15's really close to where it's like if you shock, if you fetch shock, fetch shock, now it's lethal. But obviously games two and three, you're going to be playing around that a lot better. Like this is going to be hard to finish games off. Yeah. Like, well, and the nice thing is you do get the flashback, but that means you have to learn, you have to live till turn five in a form yes. and with no interaction at all. Yep. Now, you, you do I mean, get. You could point your bad calibrated blasts at creatures. Is it any target? Uh, I Any think target, so. yep. yeah. But I guess, yeah. You could, if you hit a calibrated blast, you could throw three damage. But at that a just, something. Kind of, quite frankly, <laughs> that probably is not where you want to be at. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you do get, you do have Sokazan to make a couple one ones, and you've got uh, Mistress Factory to make some two twos. Yeah, I mean that's probably and Ramen apps. I guess you have a few Ramen apps to uh, to fling some damage to. Just, like I just a lot of ways to like secure that last like two to three damage. Mm-hmm. This is interesting. This is a really cool deck. Yeah, this is one of those that people are just like bring your <laughs> bring your salt your salt jar because <laughs> you are going to be pissing people off if you're playing this. Dude, I would be the exact opposite, man. If we're playing and like I'm a, I'm getting my stuff going and you're like at the end land go, land go. At the end of your turn, I'm gonna cast calibrated blast, flip shadow of mortality, boom! Yep. Take, Take 15. fifteen. What are you at? Two? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Hope I draw my ram in that room. Oh man, that is so cool though. What a cool deck. Yeah, it's cool. Uh Bob 49. What a great deck you brought in. Yep. Something tells me we probably won't be seeing this, Look at this. very much. <laughs> 38 lands. Yeah, I know. Well, wow. so you don't run. <laughs> like, Jeez, you Louise. can't run three drops. <laughs> you can't run permanents. That's what I mean. Like or sorry, you can't run you yeah. can't you can't run non-lands. Yep. That's amazing. You literally can't run non-lands. Well, and you want to make sure you're hitting your land drops. Yeah. Because you have to Yeah, get, you can't. Like, you with this deck, you almost have to get to five. Like, three wow. can win you some games, but I mean, you're not going to win very I many guess, games two and three. So off. I guess, realistically, if you can get to go off twice, as long as one of them hits a creature, you're probably going to win almost every time. You could hit Draco and Throws of Chaos, and that's only 16 damage. But you're way more likely to hit... Emrakul, dome for 15, and then, within reason, they fetched once. Then a Calibrated Blast almost certainly wins. So the yeah. second one almost certainly wins the game, and pray to God they don't have Graveyard Hate. Yeah. <laughs> or the, a Counterspell. Well, the problem is, so, like, if you've got 15, in games 2 and 3, your opponent's gonna know, I, I just, I don't yeah, get to no, go down to 16. Yeah, there's, there's no shocking. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could shock once, because, like, if they get it once, you're probably you want to 
force them to do it that second time, but you, yeah. you don't want to just get ones because that second one forces either A, another copy of the card, or B, five mana, and that gets mm-hmm. you two more turns. So you're accelerating yourself while getting pushing their clock back, but you can't let yourself go beneath yeah. uh, 16. Because then, then, then a then single one, one can just be, kills you. Can be lethal. Yeah, it's a very face-up combo to be playing against. Where it's yeah. like, I as soon as you see it, you're. I'm very, I very know very well how to play against it. So like, this is probably the uh, like reanimator in Legacy, where yeah. it's like you really need to bring home game one and just kind of get a little lucky. Yeah. And the deck is obviously good enough that he got lucky and, you know, approximately what ten matches in a row. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. That's the, awesome. all of that's assuming they don't ever hit you with. Thoughtsies or <laughs> counterspell or I'm hearing anything. A, I'm hearing a lot of bad juju over there. <laughs> no, is... no, what I'm what I'm kind of getting at isn't necessarily that it's a bad deck per se, but it's just this guy really had to get a go on a yeah. tear. So talk about spiking a tournament. Yeah, tons of fun. Seventh place, Yogmoth. This guy have Hapatra? Nope, no Hapatra. I couldn't tell you what it's what it replaced in this list. Uh, it looks but... like did the other one have Scoos? Uh, maybe go and look it up, but this looks yeah, like he did. So yeah, it, it was something something got bumped up by one. This looks identical to what I usually see in them, uh, just in terms of the the, the landscape. Different mix of like mana dorks is basically basically what we're looking at here. Yeah, but another Yogmoth list. Nothing in the side that I'm particularly surprised by. One Bale of Summer. That's kind of interesting, I guess. And then eighth place, Mono Green Tron coming back into the top eight. Walking Ballista, Thrag Tusk. Uh, we have Kozilek and Olamog as our payoff spells, and then uh, both Karn, both Karns, and both Ugans actually. Yep. Interesting. Pulse of Murasa. Is that a, something you see normally? Uh, I don't know if it's typically run in Modern Tron, but it actually got ran quite a bit in Popper Tron. So three mana instant. Put a creature or a land from your graveyard into your hand into its owner's hand, and gain six life. Yeah. Interesting. So it's, it was very good in Popper. Six life is a lot. Yeah. And just being able to... It's uh, probably it's probably a turn in most games of uh, Modern. Yeah. And so. if you think about it, if you're going to... Because oftentimes you're going to be probably getting back your... Do they run Worm Coil? So if you can... Yeah, if you, if you like throw Worm Coil out, you get eaten up by some kind of board wipe or whatever buy it back, buy a turn, get it back out. Yep, either, well, this one's not running Worm Coil, but Thrag Tusk. In the side. Oh, it, Worm Coil yeah. side. But any of those, like, value creatures. Yeah, Thrag Tusk is a great example, yep. too. Same thing. Especially Walking Ballista would be a good one. Oh, so you play yeah. it early to ping a dork yep. or something like that and then buy it back when you've got 10 mana. Well, I can even see, like, like in the mid-game, like, get a Walking Ballista for 6, ping for 6, buy it back and just do it again. Yeah. Or then now, now it's 12 or 10 or whatever. Interesting. So that's our top 8. Going through our metagame, Merktide Regent still sitting at 19%, even though we didn't see anything in the top eight. Uh, 18.75, that's definitely where you're starting to get too high. That's I don't think a deck should be peaking much above 19% like very often for it to be not a problem. Like 19, 20% is probably too much for a deck. One in five. Hammer Time, three decks. So 9.4%. That's that's pretty nice. Elementals, two. Rakdos Midrange, two. Yogmoth, two. First and seventh, uh, and Blue Living End at two, and Amulet Titan at two, and then a bunch of one ofs. Much, probably twice as wide, even though it's a little reduced, probably still twice as wide as Legacy. Hey, there was one Death Shadows list. Oh, yeah, we have a Grixis. Yeah, we did Grixis Shadow in 26th. Yeah. They run Merktide? Uh, that's what it I'm checking be. right now. No, they're still running Kroxa. 
What an interesting decision. I and the Royal Scions. That's I okay. You do you. <laughs> okay. Sure. I don't know. I think Merc Ties better than Croxa, but I could be wrong. Yeah, well and then you you do have to build your deck slightly differently, but yeah, I in general I think I think it's worth changing the deck. Yeah. Um, most played cards, Ragavan, Lightning Bolt, Counterspell, Unholy Heat, and Expressive Iteration. And just for, uh, this is, wait, this is interesting. <laughs> so Ragavan, 44, co- 44 copies. Oh, it's in 34% of decks. Yeah. Lightning Bolt, 40 copies, but in 41% of the decks. But just for reference, 34 to 40% is what our best cards are looking like in modern. Not 80 or 75 or, yeah. I think Branson was 70, 72. Something like that. Yeah. Top creatures, Ragavan, DRC, Endurance, Murktide, Solitude, Fury, Esper Sentinel. Okay, now we're done with, now we're done with MH2. Uh, Omnath, Primetime, Pure Still. Hey, they wanted to make a set that impacted Modern, and they put some good creatures that impacted Modern. Hey, if that's what their goal was, knocked it out of the park. They knocked it out of the park. Oh, that Legacy. probably shouldn't be the goal. <laughs> Legacy be damned, right? <laughs> right. Top spells. Or Lightning modern Bolt. be damned. Counterspell, Unholy Heat, Expressive Iteration, and Arc Mage's Charm. All right. So uh, let's move on. And as is our new trend, we're going to do a solid 10 minutes on Pioneer, run through the top decks. And then in the uh, Patreon exclusive after show, we'll go a little more in depth to the decks. And uh, actually, we'll, we'll talk about my experience yesterday playing some Paper Pioneer with some buddies over at uh, our local shop. All right. So our Pioneer Challenge on... Sunday, we had first place mono red aggro with Romeri- Rom Rom. I don't know. I can say that in my head, but I can't say it out loud. Romer- Ma- Romerito. Romerito 01. No, <laughs> Romerito 01. Yep. I'm going to spend 10 minutes trying to say this guy's name. Uh, mono red aggro. Second place was mono green ramp. Third place was Rakdos mid range. Fourth place was is it thing in the ice. Fifth place mono blue spirits. Sixth place Naya mid range. That's almost certainly uh, Winota. Yeah, seventh, yeah. Seventh place Bant spirits. And eighth place mono red aggro. So take a peek at these. Let me look at the top top, top couple decks. See what they're looking like. I'm excited to see what this mono red aggro list is. Um, I we talked about it a little bit last week, but I didn't see like I like seeing the like where mono red is or where the real like fast. This isn't quite a burn deck, but like the burnish style. It's decks a very are. aggressive deck. Yeah, I guess it is kind of a burn deck. It's got Scare the critics and play with fire. Those are those are some pretty powerful burn spells. Um, yeah, it's basically what a burn deck can be in Pioneer. Yeah. I mean, going kind of a prowessy deck. You've got eight prowess creatures, and then Eidolon of the Great Ravel, which is a really good spell against uh, my Lotus Field deck. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I want to cast a lot of cheap spells. I've won so many games of Magic with Eidolon. It's hard. It Luckily, you do get Besaidu now, which is so, it feels so bad, where it's like, I'll pay two mana to what's the Sylvan Scrying, yep. and then I'll Besaidu it. <laughs> you can have a land. Um, but yeah, so basically, yeah, very, very prowessy, very hasty. And then, so 20 creatures total and 13 spells, including like play with fire, wild slash, light, or not light, skew the critic, stuff like that. Second place is this mono green, uh, is this a Nykthos deck? Almost surely is a Nykthos, uh, devotion deck. I didn't get to play it the other night, uh, yesterday when I was, when I went out and we're do, trying to get a Pioneer Knights going, but I've heard a lot of talk about it, and I watched the dude play, and this deck is gross. Did you happen to do any looking into like how that combo might work to make it like actually work? No, I okay. kind of forgot about it. Yeah, 
I like I think it's the 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 thirty mana combo that can technically go infinite. Um, yeah, I don't see anything in here particularly crazy. Like Pelucranos World Eater is kind of cool, uh, and Old Growth Troll is such a powerful card. I hate that card so much. It's a good card, three mana for a four four trample that when it dies, you can either make another one or make a land tap for two. <laughs> Stupid. And then third place was Rakdos Midrange. This is the deck that I've seen. Uh, this isn't quite the deck I've seen. Aspiring Spike's been playing around a little bit. He's played some Rakdosy decks, but he's been focusing a lot more on like Cauldron Familiar and what is that? There's a devil that whenever you sacrifice a permanent, it deals a damage to any target. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I don't. I can't remember I can't what it's remember called. But it's, it's a three mana devil, and whenever a player sacks a permanent, it pings. So obviously very powerful. This is a little more uh, centered around like Soren the Mirthless and Chandra. So you've got these. I guess only three Planeswalkers. So is this just like a like a Rakdos like mid rangey deck? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think this one's sacrifice. No, it's not. It definitely isn't sacrifice. Yeah, but yeah, wow. it's just. I mean, the funny thing is, uh, this just. Yeah. Does this remind you anything? It looks like a modern deck. <laughs> like you've got Dreadboard, Thoughtseize, Fatal Push, or Dreadboard, Thoughtseize, Fatal Push, Duress, uh, Kalatos's good card. Yep. Bone Crusher Giant, Kroxa. Like, if only it had Death Shadow. Right. Death uh, Shadow and Shocklands. That's the thing. Is just just there's a. We can get into it more later, but like Pioneer, and I keep saying this when we're talking, is like there's like 10 or 15 cards that if you're not playing one or two of them in your mm-hmm. deck, you're just not doing it right. You're, you're Well, it's like it's you need to have a very good reason not to. And it's because it's like, why? It's just And like I think like Dig Through Time is in that category. I think uh, Treasure Cruise is in that category. What else would you put in there? Uh Thoughtseize for sure. Yep, Thoughtseize is a great. If you're not playing Thoughtseize, like, Um, and like, and if you look, you can kind of see that. Like, there's some exceptions to this, but the best ones, in my opinion, that I've seen are the cards that kind of that are either seeing play in other formats, which is kind of a duh, Mm -hmm. or things that just go super hard on one thing, like Nykthos, Mm -hmm. like uh, Lotus Field, like, and obviously there's going to be these cards that are the backbones of decks, but like. Which is, they, they, a lot of them go in multiple decks. Yeah, I, I'd like I, when you have a, like a single card or a, like that single like the delve cards are usually really good examples. It's a single version of a card that is spanning multiple archetypes. It's like expressive iteration. Like expressive expressive yeah. iteration. Expressive iteration is one of them. Spans multiple archetypes in a single format where it's like you 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 need to probably manipulate your mana base to make this work. Yeah. So very interesting. I say that a lot. I always say everything's interesting. Cool. Really cool. So there's a top three. We'll go a little deeper into that into Pioneer and our Pioneer segment. But we're sitting around an hour and 15-ish minutes. Was there anything else you want to cover this week before we go into our end show wrap-up? Anything interesting in the world of magic or something cool you saw? Something cool you did? Nothing in particular. No? It's kind of a slow week. It's so... I'm very excited for it to be a very slow week because this is the finals week. We didn't talk about this at the beginning, but like it's finals week, so the kids are going home and my job gets a lot easier. Like as of like yesterday. Yeah. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, as soon as you get those first couple, you just get that wave of kids yep. that like either only have one final or don't have any and they but they also aren't graduating this year. Just like, oh, cool, 15,000 people just moved out. And a lot of them stopped ordering stuff because they know they're leaving in a few days. So like Pretty cool. Pretty excited about that. But I think we'll get towards the end of our episode. So um, big shout out to Plane Soccer's podcast, Will and Aramis, Monday and Wednesday. 
Uh, that's going to be twitch.tv forward slash Plain Soccer's podcast for Monday, your standard stuff, and Wednesday, your commander funness. Check out us. You can email us at cantripcartel at gmail.com. You can hit up our Facebook group at Cantrip Cartel, and you can follow us on Twitter at Cantrip Cartel. If you want to support us in a very direct fashion, hit up our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Cantrip Cartel. Matt, is there anything I'm forgetting? No, just go play Pioneer. Go play Pioneer, and we will see you guys next week. All right. Have a nice night, guys. So uh, I'll go to my main phase. I'm going to uh, Lightning Axe your uh, your first creature. I'm going to discard Arclight Things to do it. Then I'll, I'll Lightning Axe uh, discard Arclight Things the, the next one. And then uh, I will consider and I'll mill Arclight Phoenix and I'll go to combat. Fog. You're playing Turbo Fog. <laughs> <sighs> your turn. <laughs> <laughs>